It is Monday, the 28th of August, the Feast of St. Augustine. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Enlighten us, O Lord, by the light of your love. For those who seek knowledge without love, may they find the love of God, the source of all knowledge. For those who confuse the boundaries of self with the boundaries of the world, that they may discover the infinite love of God, we pray to the Lord. For those who have learned the treasure of humble self-knowledge, May they serve us as beacons of light. O God of wisdom and of love, you inflame St. Augustine with the love of Christ, who is your wisdom and your power. Through his intercession, pour out into your church anew, each day, the burning fire of the Holy Spirit, to inflame all hearts with love for your beauty and your truth. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Augustine, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are happy to be speaking with you on a Monday morning. Kind of a back-to-school week for a lot of people. Some of you have uh, been back to school already earlier in the month of August, but it's a big back-to-school week. I know it is around our household. Either way, we're here to hang out with you and help you along. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll get a look, as we do each Monday morning, at This Week in Catholic History with Kevin Schmeezing. Father Philip Ray will discuss the World Day of Peace and the message for that. Father John Gavin has more thoughts on the Church Fathers in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And, of course, we got to talk about St. Augustine as a Doctor of the Church with Dr. Matthew Bunsen, who does the Doctors of the Church series for EWTN. So, stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for U.S. Marines. Two crashes on opposite ends of the earth left at least four people dead during a training exercise in Australia yesterday. An Osprey aircraft with 23 on board crashed, killing three and injuring several others. Last year, in two separate crashes, nine Marines died in the same type of aircraft. Late last week, F-18 Hornet pilot Major Andrew Mettler died in a crash that happened in Southern California. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus' question in the Gospel, Who do you say that I am? From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. The Pope noted that generally Jesus is seen as a great teacher, a special person, good, righteous, consistent, courageous. But he continued, this is not enough for Jesus, who is not just an agent of history, a distant prophet. He's here for us today. He is God who is close to us. Non è un personaggio del passato, ma è il Cristo, cioè il Messia. The Holy Father went on to explain that Christ is not a memory of the past, but the God of the present. Jesus, he added, is alive and accompanies us. He's at our side. He offers us his word and his grace, which enlighten and refresh us on the journey. Assuring believers that they are never alone on the path of life, he said Christ is with us and helps us on our way, as he did with Peter and the other disciples. It is Peter in today's gospel, he added, who understands this and by grace recognizes in Jesus 
the Son of the Living God made man. Con lui vicino anche noi tendiamoci la mano gli uni gli altri. Pope Francis said that if sometimes the summit of Christian life seems too high and the path too steep, just look to Jesus who walks beside us, welcoming our frailties, sharing our efforts and resting his firm and gentle arm on our weak shoulders. With him close at hand, let us also reach out to one another and renew our trust. With Jesus, what seems impossible on our own is no longer so, the Pope concluded. I'm Linda Bordoni. Also during his Angelus address, the Holy Father asked for prayers again for suffering Ukraine and for the people of Greece who have suffered a summer of intense wildfires. He also remembered mothers on the Feast of St. Monica. He said, with her prayers and her tears, she asked the Lord for the conversion of her son. He asked everyone to pray for so many mothers who suffer when their children are a bit lost or are on the difficult roads of life. President Biden is condemning the Jacksonville shooting that left three black people dead as a potential hate crime. Trey Thomas has more. In a White House statement, Biden said as the nation searches for answers, we must say clearly and forcefully that white supremacy has no place in America. Biden noted the act of gun violence happened Saturday as the country marked the 60th anniversary of the Civil Rights March on Washington. I'm Trey Thomas. Tropical storm Idalia is now forecast to arrive in Florida as a hurricane. Forecasters say rain and storm surge could be the biggest danger along much of Florida's west coast. Hurricane watches have been posted along Florida's west coast from Englewood to Big Bend, including Tampa Bay. Rain and wind are also likely in some areas. Idalia is expected to become a Category 1 or 2 storm as early as tomorrow and could make landfall on Wednesday. Recent Canadian wildfire smoke is blamed for a major jump in asthma-related trips to the emergency room. The CDC says researchers found that ER visits were 17 percent higher than usual in areas where wildfire smoke enveloped the region, triggering air quality alerts between April and August. New York and New Jersey had the highest proportion of emergency room visits. And Bob Barker is being remembered across the entertainment Industry. The legendary The Price is Right game show host died Saturday at the age of 99 at his home in Los Angeles. Current Price is Right host Drew Carey, who succeeded Barker as the host in 2007, tweeted that he'll carry his memory in his heart forever. Barker took the honor as most popular game show host of all time in a national poll. He also received the Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award for daytime television in 1999. Barker served as executive producer of The Price is Right and hosted the show from 1972 until he retired in 2007. Well, that's a that's a long run. I know it. I wonder where the uh, what that list is like. Where like a an Alex. Well, Rebecca you w- you want to know Fleming why falls on that list? Can I tell you why I think he won as most popular game show host? Why is that? Because people like you and I associate him with days off of school. Okay, so you've got that. I was just going to say that typically the remedy for a stomach bug for any child of the 80s and perhaps 90s <laughs> is, the price is it's right. usually saltine crackers, <laughs> some Sprite. Yes. And, Chipped uh, ice. 
chipped ice, chicken uh, noodle soup. And the price is right. And the price is right. Exactly. While you sit there and you guess at stuff that your parents (laughs) buy. Like, I wonder how much that blender did cost mom. (laughs) May he rest in peace. Huge part of my childhood in that regard. For many of yep. us, for a great many of Sick us. Sick days at school. I would say we're revealing our age, but I feel like we do that every every day around this time. Well, you know, I think there are a lot of people listening who identify Matt. Yes. And this many, is my guess. Many, including my guess. the parents who set us down for that. Yep. It's eight minutes past the hour. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Joined now for a look at This Week in Catholic History by Kevin Schmeezing who wrote a book called A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. Well, let's head to the 12th century and look at the election of a pope. This is a papal name we haven't heard in a while. In fact, not since the 12th century. Pope Lucius III uh, elected pope this week in 1181. The first Lucius was pope briefly in the year 253. The second was just five popes prior to the third in the middle of the 12th century. Lucius III, as I say, elected in 1181. He was born as Ubaldo Alcingoli in Tuscany near the end of the 11th century. He was part of a noble family. He joined the clergy, rose through the ranks of the church, was named a cardinal by Pope Innocent II in 1138, and then served in various diplomatic roles. Upon the death of Alexander III, he was elected pope and took the name Lucius III. It was this week, September 1st, 1181. The tenure of Lucius was what you might call, Matt, a typical medieval papacy. It was an environment of political intrigue, heresy, and the Crusades. Political instability in Rome forced him to flee the city. He lived most of his papacy elsewhere in Italy. He sought to reconcile divisions between the church and rulers, especially in Scotland and the Holy Roman Empire. In the first, he was successful. In the second, not as much. He did battle with various heretical movements. Probably the most notable was the Cathars. That had a stronghold in southern France, where it was known as Albigensianism, and St. Dominic would confront it there a little bit later in the 13th century. Lucius began planning for the Third Crusade. That would be one of the more successful of the medieval crusades to the Middle East, and it would include kings Philip II of France, Richard I of England, and Lucius's sometime nemesis, Holy Roman Emperor Frederick I. But Pope Lucius died in 1185, a few years before the crusade launched. Pope Lucius III had been elected this week in 1181. Pretty fascinating. And you've talked a number of times about various pieces of Civil War history as related to Catholics who were involved on both sides. And who are we talking about today? This one is Emmerin Blemel, who was a Confederate chaplain. And as far as I can tell, Matt, the first Catholic chaplain to die in battle in American history. Uh, Like the rest of the country, American Catholicism was to some extent divided by the Civil War. In general, Catholic laypeople, priests, and bishops in the South took the side of the Confederacy, while Northern Catholics took the side of the Union. Many Catholics participated as soldiers on both sides of the conflict. Many Catholic sisters served as nurses, and many Catholic priests as chaplains. About 50 priests altogether served in the Union Army and about 30 in the Confederate. They were usually highly valued members of their military units. They were praised by many of the leading generals, both Union and Confederate, both Catholic and non-Catholic alike. And one of them on the Confederate side was Emmerin Blemel. He was a native of Bavaria, that's southern Germany, where Pope Benedict XVI came from. Blemel came to the U.S. in 1850. He entered the seminary at St. Vincent Abbey in Pennsylvania. We've talked about that spot before. It was the first Benedictine monastery in the U.S. He was ordained a Benedictine priest there in 1856. 
When war broke out, he was stationed in Nashville, Tennessee, so he volunteered as a chaplain for the local units. An interesting note here, the details are hazy, but it appears that he was arrested in 1862 by Union soldiers and held for a time under the command of General William Rosecrans, whom we've also talked about before. He was a Catholic convert. But Blema was released. He joined or rejoined the Confederate Army. He served as chaplain for various unions, including the 4th Kentucky and the 10th Tennessee Regiments. They engaged in the Battle of Jonesboro, August 31st, this week in 1864. This was part of Sherman's push toward Atlanta. Uh, Union fire mortally wounded a Confederate colonel, and Blemo came to him to confer last rites. While he was doing that, he was killed by cannon fire. Father Emeron Blemo, OSB, was the first American Catholic chaplain to die in battle. As I mentioned, he wouldn't be the last, though. We've talked about men such as Aloysius Schmidt in World War II and Vincent Capadano in Vietnam. But the first was Father Emeron Blemo this week in 1864. Pretty fascinating story. And uh, again, we pray for all the military chaplains out there today doing work in dangerous situations to bring the sacraments to uh, people as non-combatants. Uh, it's a pretty fascinating thing to, to watch the ways these calls play out in the lives of these chaplains. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. You too. All right. Showers and thunderstorms expected from New York to the Gulf Coast, although most of the big rumbles will be found from the Carolinas to Florida and the Deep South. Another plume of monsoonal moisture will ease its way northward across the Rockies, bringing showers and thunderstorms along the Interstate 25 corridor from New Mexico to Wyoming. Two areas will see the impacts from weak disturbances today. First will be the western Great Lakes, where a system that's going across Canada will produce a few showers. Behind that will be a disturbance invading the Pacific Northwest, and that'll bring showers and a few mountain thunderstorms. Otherwise, wall-to-wall sunshine from the plains to the Ohio Valley and from the Great Basin to the West Coast. Got headlines with Anna Mitchell coming up after the break. It's 14 minutes past the hour. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Laura Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. And all the people who are working so hard to get us on radio, you know, that's wonderful. 
And even if you reach 100 miles or 50 miles, you help spread the word. And we do all the programming for you. Programming is the expensive stuff, you know, so you don't have to worry about programming. And so we want to thank you for everything you've done to make this radio possible. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. 16 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for U.S. Marines. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus's question in the gospel, who do you say that I am? And the Holy Father asked for prayers as he looks ahead to an apostolic visit to Mongolia in a couple of days. News at the top and bottom of each, each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, there's just a, a lot uh, a lot that is uh, transpiring here at the end of August. People going back to school, mm-hmm. all the stuff uh, associated with that. Um, I know I was Zeke, the, is, Zeke headed back to school there today. today. Tommy has his first day of kindergarten today. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a big one. I know it. Do you do the uh, stand them all out on the front porch and take a picture of them day one thing? Well, I'm not there to do that, so. Well, I mean, by you, I mean, does your family? Um, n- n- would we like to be that family? Yes. Okay. But are you, we that family? No. We're like usually hurting, like hurting, hurting them out the door so that they can get to school on time. Uh, Will took a picture of Roma in the car and then. Okay. Um, as she was getting out of the car, she that counts. Um, our school principal comes out and greets all. It's Montessori school, so this is like sure. a Montessori thing. They come out and you know shake every kid's hand as they walk in the door every morning. And so he got a picture of of Roma with the principal. Nice, yeah. So, Usually our principal's there in the drop off. That was the that was the school picture. The are you are like going to take kids. a photo of Zeke? I'll what take a it? picture. Is he starting fourth grade or fifth? Sixth. Sixth grade? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. You are your, kidding. Your godson me. is in sixth grade. My godson is in sixth grade. Yeah. Okay. Where have you been? Where have I been? Oh my gosh. It's kind of a wild time. That's like practically junior high. He's not that old. No, he's uh, he's that old. He's double digits. Oh my gosh. He's eleven. Well, I knew he was He'll eleven. Be Twelve in a few months. I thought eleven was fifth grade. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on when you're born. I guess so. But, you know, we're getting old. Oh, my gosh. We're getting, getting very old. Like, Some of these people who, even, like, just sent their kids uh, I know, can't even deal with this. Like, I'm going through place. a crisis right now in my my mind and in my heart. Zeke is in sixth grade. It's true. It's true. Well, Tommy's in kindergarten. I remember when I was going on, I was doing double duty filling in because you were on maternity leave. I for know, that. right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Well. I, Pretty uh, soon, Agnes is going to be in high school, and we're just going to be... It's going to be wild. Yeah. be old people. You're going to have a gray bald head. Apparently. <laughs> I, if I grow my beard out, it'll have it'll be gray. <laughs> I've survived that so far. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm Now my my crisis here is, is you know, I'm getting used to it. Well, so, I'm trying sorry, to figure out something to talk about besides St. Augustine, because uh, we're going to talk about St. Augustine this hour with Dr. Matthew Bunsen and next hour with Mike Aquilina. Mm-hmm. And what can I say in this segment that's going to be more interesting than anything those those two gentlemen will say? Well, but happy birthday to St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Exactly. Uh, today is actually the birthday in 1774 yeah. of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Um, 
I was going to ask you about some weird autocorrects. I don't know if you oh have boy. Uh, oh boy. had any of these. This is sort of like a a thing that happens when you work in, in, in church stuff and you have like vocabulary that makes sense to the life of the church but might make sense Not to the people who come up with yeah. the uh, autocorrect. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I've mentioned before that my phone has autocorrected uh, Pelagianism to plagiarism. <laughs> Which is a bummer. Only somebody like Mad Swabe would have Pelagianism in a text message, but well, go it, on. these things happen. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think, well, there are some others. Uh, but the uh, the one from the weekend is uh, correcting Mount Carmel to, this is MT period, space Carmel. Mm-hmm. Corrected to Mr. Carmel. <laughs> Mr. Carmel. Mr. Carmel. Well, hey. you know, that's another name for Elijah, I think. Mr. Carmel. Mr. Carmel himself. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, well, anyway. First ecumenical watch, watch those meeting. things before you send them out. It's 21 past. It's got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Remember, O most loving heart of Jesus, that they for whom I pray are those for whom you prayed so earnestly the night before your death. These are they to whom you look to continue with you in your sorrows when others forsake you, who share your griefs and have inherited your persecutions according to your word, that the servant is not greater than his Lord. Remember, O heart of Jesus, that they are the objects of the world's hatred and Satan's deadliest snares. Keep them then, O Jesus, in the safe citadel of your sacred heart, and there let them be sanctified in truth. May they be one with you and one among themselves, and grant that multitudes may be brought through their word to believe in you and love you. Amen. Twenty-three minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip Loray from Humanity 2.0, and uh, he has got some great stuff to say about the questions of technology and artificial intelligence and what in the world we're supposed to make of that as Catholics. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Glad to be on the show again. Yes, glad to uh, glad to have you back. So. The Pope's theme for the next World Day of Peace is artificial intelligence and peace. And I think it's worth noting that when it comes to this conversation, it's not like the Vatican woke up one day and says, well, I mean, technology is in 
getting out of control. Maybe we should say something about it. There's a longstanding tradition of the church's commentary on social communications, so I imagine that whatever we get is probably going to be in harmony with that. I think what we're going to see is the Pope's insistence on person-centered AI. So he's said that a couple of times already, and we know that uh, Archbishop Paglia is also homing in on, on this idea to put the human person at the center of technology. So you're absolutely right. This is not a new concept. It's been uh, going on for a long time. Uh, but it is, I think, interesting to note that the Pope is actually tackling the issue of artificial intelligence. Uh, and so many people have asked me, oh, what's the Pope's stance on this? And I uh, usually say, well, he has other priorities right now. He's, you know, uh, worried about the peace in Ukraine. He's worried about immigration. He's worried about the ecology. I think those, those will be some of the issues he'll mention in his come, upcoming visit to Mongolia. Uh, but now we see that the... Um, Pope Francis himself is taking a stance on artificial intelligence. So I, I, I just think that's very timely, and I think that's what we need right now. Well, I think it's interesting that in every single issue you just sort of rattled off is stuff that the Pope tends to talk about as it crops up in global discourse. Uh, they all kind of get answered the same way, which is, well, uh, God made human beings in his image. Let's start with that and work out from there, right? Whether that has to do with what we think about ecology or immigration or economic systems or any of that stuff, that's where it all starts, right? I mean, this is this is kind of how the church has dealt with a whole bunch of things through the centuries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, if, if we can point to uh, a doctrine or a phrase by Jesus Christ relating to these issues, that's a lot easier because he is— the, the center of our faith. Uh, but Jesus never spoke about artificial intelligence. So we have to, you know, kind of come up with uh, with another nuance. And, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see where Pope Francis uh, wants to take the issue. Uh, we probably uh, have an insight to what he's going to say with the uh, document from the Santa Clara University uh, Macula Center on ethics and AI. Uh, they just released a handbook about two months ago, which uh, Archbishop Tai from the Dicastria of Culture and Education has endorsed publicly, uh, writing an introduction to that. And, and he himself worked closely with the, uh, the professors on, on this handbook of ethics and AI. I, th I, think, that, uh, I, I think that we're going to see some of, some of those positions come out in the Pope's message. And, and I think uh, we'll probably see the message come out sometime in December. So then we'll have uh, a little bit, uh, something much more concrete to, to, to talk about. Well, I think it's interesting, too, that the church is, is usually careful to not uh, articulate points of policy that need to be legislated, but more principles that have to be at the forefront of all decision making because whatever the Pope is going to say about AI is not going to be directed at uh, a specific a specific political process in the United States of America, for example, right? He's got to he's got to figure out how how this works for for everybody, right? That's a, that's a difficult line to walk when you're trying to figure out a principle that will make sense to to all Catholics everywhere and also a lot of non Catholics who will also be reading this. Yeah. Um... Let me plug a uh, app which is uh, taking the Catholic world by storm these days called Magisterium AI. And you can 
Yeah, I'm looking forward one. to when we can have a full conversation about that one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's now being used by uh, in over 125 countries in 10 different languages. So I'm on the advisory committee of that. And uh, it, it, we, it, it's just it's just such a cool thing. And I think what it sh- this shows us a good use of AI without any, uh, uh, shall we say, defects or disadvantages of, for example, chat GPT giving you wrong answers or making up answers because it doesn't know, etc. The Magisterium AI is trained on a narrow uh, selection of, of documents from the Catholic Church. And it's always going to give you the right answer, and it's going to reference that answer. So a lot of my students are using it, uh, which I think is great. I think it's not going to substitute thinking for yourself, but I think it's going to help the the students and scholars uh, have access to information, a lot of information. I think there's over 3,000 official documents now uh, part of of the database. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, Matt, get get online and... and, uh, and do some work with Magisterium AI. Well, I'm looking forward to it for uh, for a few different reasons that I hope we can get into uh, in in future conversations. But in the meantime, uh, as we look ahead to the uh, Pope's message for the World Day of Peace, uh, I well, I look forward to, to unpacking that as it comes out. But uh, let our listeners know how they can find the Magisterium AI uh, function there. Uh, yeah, it's the Magisterium.com. Um, but if you just Google Magisterium uh, AI, you'll 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 write you'll you'll get to the site. Uh, it's free of charge. I think it, they might want to eventually uh, uh, have people pay a small price to use it. But but it's in a beta version now, and so it's free, and that's very it's very powerful, and it's a way to look at AI uh, and how it can be used for good and get access to some church documents that you might not think off the top of your head to uh to go look at if you're trying to answer a question about what the church teaches about something thanks so much yeah, father and, philip loray oh uh, go ahead no i'm just gonna say that um, a lot of my priest friends are using it to prepare homilies too so <laughs> i thought that was fun <laughs> well as long as they use their own thoughts to 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 surround that and don't just cheat off the off the robot uh, <laughs> exactly. thanks so much father philip loray have a All wonderful right, day okay take care now Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for U.S. Marines. Two crashes in different parts of the world have left at least four dead. During a training exercise in Australia yesterday, an Osprey aircraft with 23 on board crashed, killing three and injuring several others. And at late last week, an F-18 Hornet pilot, Major Andrew Mettler, died in a crash that happened in Southern California. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis had several prayer requests for the faithful. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. Pope Francis assured the remembrance in his prayers for the people who lost their lives in the major wildfire burning in these days in northeastern Greece. The Pope also asked the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square to remain close to the Ukrainian people. Pope Francis then remembered St. Monica, St. Augustine's mother, on the day the Church celebrates her, recalling her as a strong woman and a good woman. With her prayers, her tears, the Holy Father remembered, she asked the Lord for the conversion of her son. 
The Pope asked everyone to pray for so many mothers who suffer when their children are a bit lost or are on the difficult roads of life. Before Pope Francis spoke about his upcoming apostolic journey to Mongolia, the Pope described it as a much-desired visit and an opportunity to embrace a church small in numbers but vibrant in faith and great in charity. The Holy Father remembered the country's rich religious tradition, which he will have the honor of getting to know especially in the context of an inter-religious event. Pope Francis expressed his happiness to travel and be among the Mongolian population as a brother for all. The Pope concluded by asking the faithful present to accompany this visit with prayer. According to the schedule released by the Holy See's press office, Pope Francis will depart from Rome's Fiumicino airport on the evening of Thursday, August 31st, to arrive at Ulaanbaatar's Chinggis Khan International Airport on Friday, September 1st. On Saturday, the Holy Father will be greeted at a welcome ceremony in Ulaanbaatar's Sukhabatar Square before paying a courtesy visit to the President of Mongolia at the State Palace. On Monday, the last day of the Pope's visit, he will inaugurate a charity center and meet with staff and volunteers of the organization. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on Jesus' question in the Gospel, who do you say that I am? Saying it's a question that we too ask ourselves. The Holy Father said that Jesus is generally seen as a great teacher, but that's not enough for Jesus. He said he is God who is close to us. Pope Francis wants Russian children to be artisans of peace. The Pope made his remarks remotely from the Vatican on Friday to the hundreds in attendance at the 10th National Meeting of Catholic Youth of Russia in St. Petersburg. The Pope told the children to have the courage to replace fears with dreams. The event began last Thursday and concluded yesterday. Jacksonville, Florida, Sheriff T.K. Waters is calling a gunman's manifesto the, quote, diary of a madman. At a news conference yesterday, the sheriff identified the 21-year-old male who shot and killed three black people on Saturday near a historically black university in what's being called a racially motivated shooting. Waters said the shooter's sickening ideologies do not reflect the Jacksonville community, and he said he doesn't believe there's a racial divide in the city. Waters said the shooter appears to have purchased his firearms legally. Governor Ron DeSantis is urging Florida West Coast residents to get ready for Tropical Storm Idalia. Mark Mayfield has more. DeSantis has placed 33 counties under a state of emergency and says he's mobilized 1,100 Florida National Guard members. He's telling Floridians to listen to local authorities, heed warnings, and to expect power outages. The storm is expected to bring several inches of rain to Florida's west coast, becoming a Category 1 or 2 hurricane before making landfall north of Tampa on Tuesday. I'm Mark Mayfield. A Democratic congressman and a Republican congresswoman are working together on a solution with a $40 billion billion of pandemic-era funding set to expire in just over a month for child care. They've created the Congressional Bipartisan Affordable Child Care Caucus. That's the news. It's 35 past. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. 
click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. St. Augustine says that if we want to die well, we must live well. As our life is, so shall our death be. To sum up the matter in a few words, we say that the rule for a happy death is to lead a good life. Placing our trust in the merits of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, without whom every day would be a terrible and terrifying event. Do not trust your spiritual enemies, even if they leave you in peace for a while. They can initiate a terrible war at any time. Remember, there is no state in life without its problems and frustrations. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Feast of St. Augustine. Pray for us. Happy Feast Day to all the Augies and Gusses and Augustines and even Augustines out there listening this morning. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, and we've been going through the catechism with him and looking at all the various places where the fathers of the church are quoted through the course of it. Father, good morning. Good morning. So today we get to talk about Pope St. Leo the Great. Uh, which part of the catechism are we in as we look at this particular reflection from uh, St. Leo? So we're now looking at the section that treats uh, the Church, and in particular this section's looking at uh, the people of God and uh, the characteristics of the people of God, and particularly, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, offices of Priestly, priest, prophet, <clears throat> and king, in the ways that the uh, people of, of the Church participate in those offices. Well, the language to articulate that in this particular passage from St. Leo is pretty strong mm. language. I mean, it's kind of yeah. stirring. I mean, this is like locker room speech, go out and get him kind of language. Absolutely, and it's it's helpful to put that quote into the full context. It, it comes from the what in our numbering the fourth sermon of Leo the Great, and uh, he was elected to the papacy on September twenty ninth, four forty, and we have a series of homilies or sermons that he gave on the anniversary of that date. So it's kind of a Thanksgiving sermon and a recollection sermon. Uh, so this one comes from September twenty ninth, four forty four. And the regular themes in these, they're called the elevation sermons, his elevation to the papacy. The regular themes that he hits on are, first of all, uh, the papacy as service. Uh, it's on the virtue of humility, uh, so it's not his own uh, uh, grandeur, uh, but rather at the service of the Church. 
he always puts forward the model of Peter, often uh, citing the gospel text that we heard yesterday. And then also he speaks much about how, even though he has this distinct charism and authority within the Church, uh, nonetheless, uh, all of the baptized faithful share in this same dignity in Christ. So in the sermon, uh, he says at one point, although the Church of God as a whole has a hierarchical structure so that the completeness of the body consists in the diversity of members, we are nevertheless, as the Apostle says, one in Christ. So this this locker room speech, as I think you rightly uh, liken it to, it's it's on this occasion, but he's also calling the faithful to be with him as the Bishop of Rome, as the Pope, uh, in bringing the Gospel to the world. I mean, the stuff that he has to say in this passage, and again, you're looking around paragraph 786, uh, Mm. I mean, this is, you know, so many of us have done the sign of the cross kind of as a formality or without thinking, but he says, the sign of the cross makes kings of all those reborn in Christ, right? And the anointing Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit consecrates them as priests. He goes on to say, what indeed is as royal for a soul as to govern the body in obedience to God? And what is as priestly? as to dedicate a pure conscience to the Lord and offer the spotless offerings of devotion on the altar of the heart. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, I don't do a very good job of thinking about that kind of thing every time I make the sign of the cross. Right, right. And no, and I think that's uh, that's the power of Leo's preaching. I mean, we, we hear much about these the office of priest, prophet, and king, and, and certainly we have distinct charisms in the Church— uh, for these, obviously, the priesthood. But uh, what he's calling us to is to reflect on the ways in which we all share in that, uh, which, of course, are all exemplified in our Lord, uh, the, uh, Jesus Christ. So, yes, it's uh, when we make the sign of the cross, uh, he says it's, even like it's, it's an anointing to these offices, right? Uh, because as Christians, I mean, uh, not only are we the followers of Christ, but we have been anointed to uh, to share in that life that he gives us. Well, and I love, too, the, the way that Christ turns everything upside down, uh, right? And mm-hmm. this is what happens in the—I uh, mean, this is what happens in the—throughout the course of the Gospels, uh, it's what the, the passage in the Catechism that this quote is embedded in refers to, the idea of uh, a royal office of Christ, and for the Christian to reign is to serve him. Right mm-hmm. to be a king right. in this sense is to be a servant. I mean, Jesus kind of turns the whole thing inside out on us. Uh, you know, this is not to go and command an army. Uh, it is mm-hmm. rather to take the leadership in figuring out how to serve others. I mean, these are these are strong, strong things that uh, every Christian is called to, and that are modeled by the Lord Himself. Exactly. And in fact, uh, next Sunday, we will get the next part of the Gospel reading we heard yesterday, in which, of course, Peter is expecting the Christ to be some kind of royal figure leading into battle uh, and uh, conquering of territories in that manner. But, of course, our Lord rebukes him for that. That's, That's a temptation that is not to be uh, the understanding of who he is as the Messiah. And so the same, he demonstrates to us, especially washing his disciples' feet, uh, what kind of king he is that he has come to give his life 
so that we might have life in him. That is uh, the true royalty to share in that life that he has won for us in the resurrection. You know, what's funny is that liturgically speaking, we hear those conversations about a week apart, but in the gospel narrative, you hear them about two sentences apart. <laughs> so. Right, exactly. Yes. And I think uh, Pope Leo likes to go to that passage, uh, not only because it speaks of the authority of Peter, but also uh, because of the humility that's demonstrated. Of course, you know, Peter sees that, wait a minute, there are limits to this authority. In the end, I am, as all Christians are, subject to Christ, and what he has uh, taught us, what he has handed on to us. And so Leo turns to that again and again, what kind of kingship are we to share in? Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the power in that title uh, given to the successor of St. Peter, right? The servant of the servants of God. Uh, you know, what a, yes. what a loaded, a loaded title to be sure, uh, but based on this very principle. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that, that, again, we can see it in Peter himself, of course, right? Uh, in, we can take some consolation seeing the ways in which sometimes he could be quite the hothead or even the betrayal of our Lord, but yet reconciled in humility to him uh, and to be the shepherd of the sheep. And so, yes, always serving and always conscious of his full dependence upon Christ in that love and that mercy. Uh, it's something that we all uh, can turn to again and again. Well, it's a, it's a great reflection. And again, if you want to go read the full quote from St. Leo the Great, it's in paragraph 786 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We've been going through the Catechism, looking at quotes from the Church Fathers with Father John Gavin, who's got another great book, on the Church Fathers called Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Father Gavin, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me, and God bless. All right, we got more on St. Augustine on this his feast day with Dr. Matthew Bunsen coming up after the break. It's a quarter till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is everywhere. 
EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. What's your favorite day of the week and why? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Thirteen till, here's Anna with headlines. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for U.S. Marines, which have left at least four dead. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus' question in the gospel, who do you say that I am? And in his, well, after his Angelus address, had several prayer requests for the faithful, including for his upcoming trip to Mongolia. Next newscast coming up in about 14, 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News, creator of the Doctors of the Church series on EWTN TV. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you. And the story of St. Augustine, whose feast we celebrate today, uh, has has three major characters I think most would recognize. Augustine himself, of course, St. Monica, his mother, and St. Ambrose, his, let's call him his mentor. Um, Let's talk about Augustine and Monica first, because she was a devout Christian from the time that she bore him, correct? But he didn't choose to share that faith. So can you talk about that relationship? No, he didn't. Uh, And that, I think, is one of the keys to understanding the remarkable journey of Augustine. Uh, We always connect him to his mother, whose feast day, I believe, was yesterday uh, on the, the calendar. And she was, you're right, she was a devout Christian. Her husband, Patricius, was a pagan uh, who ultimately, through her patience and diligence, converted to Christianity on his deathbed, even though he had been, by every measure, a terrible husband. And that's important because it tells us something about Monica, that she was persistent, that she never gave up, even though Augustine, who from the earliest time of his life displayed a genius-level IQ, a capacity to penetrate deeply into things uh, through his mind, uh, he ultimately rejected uh, Christianity. He walked away from the faith of his childhood, and he did so because he was always seeking something but could never quite get that emptiness in himself filled. And, and as Pope Benedict XVI beautifully put it, he was a, somebody who was always in the search for truth, but ultimately he didn't understand where he could find it. And so his life then was filled in pursuit of that to the great sorrow of his mother. Yeah, I mean, his mother never, ever stopped praying for him and, and <laughs> followed him all over the world, essentially. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Uh, so... As Augustine progressed in his search for truth and was 
looking for preferments. He was looking to advance in life. Uh, he was a brilliant uh, rhetorician. In other words, he was an incredible speaker. He was also gifted in philosophy. And he, that, that again, that pursuit of trying to find truth led him into some very dark places, including uh, dubious flirtations with the, the hedonistic lifestyle, with uh, license, with sexual license, also with the Manichaeans. Uh, his mother never gave up, even though the two of them would have terrible arguments. Uh, he essentially fled from Africa to try to escape her uh, in pursuit of his career. And you're absolutely right. She set sail right after him uh, to Italy and basically followed him up the length of the Italian peninsula until his many adventures took him to Milan. Before that, though, you can see the progress in his own life. He was dissatisfied with the Manichaeans, especially when he realized that uh, there was nothing to it. And the Manichaeans kept telling him as he would ask the deep, difficult questions of them about their teachings. Well, just wait. There's a bishop. Bishop Faustus will tell you everything. He's our greatest theologian. Well, Augustine meets Bishop Faustus, and to no surprise, found him an empty shell. There was nothing there. And it was that moment, too, that I think Augustine began to realize that he was being impelled toward truth, but in a very different direction. And God ultimately led him to Milan. Yeah, and uh, gosh, talk about providence that that Monica and and Augustine would end up in Milan with a bishop who was not a shell of a theologian, as you were just <laughs> describing, uh, Faustus. But um, can you talk first before we get to Ambrose and Augustine? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Ambrose and Monica. What was their relationship? Well, this is uh, what makes the relationship so beautiful, because Monica, as I said, never gave up on it. And in a remarkable way, too, Augustine never ultimately severed ties with her. In other words, he loved her. He mm-hmm. understood that deep down what she was doing for him was out of love, out of a genuine concern for him. It's why even at the, the worst moments of their relationship, they, were, they still communicated. They were still in touch. And I think Monica lived in that perpetual hope that regardless of how far her son seemed to wander away from virtue and the truth, that somehow God would lead him back. And there's a famous story that uh, she wept in speaking to a bishop about her son, and the bishop said to her, Fear not, uh, no son of so many tears uh, will ultimately be damned, because Monica wept for him every day and prayed for him every day. And she was still always part of his life, which is, I think, a testament that there's a lesson there for parents today, for brothers and sisters who have family members who themselves seem so far away today, not to give up, to cultivate that virtue of fortitude, but especially that virtue of hope and and the virtue of love. And so then talk about how Ambrose enters into the life of St. Augustine. So Ambrose uh, was the Bishop of Milan, one of the greatest of the homilists, one of the greatest orders in the history of the Church. He was, of course, a doctor of the Church. Augustine found him fascinating, uh, initially because he had heard he was such a good orator, a good rhetorician. 
But then he began seeing in Ambrose uh, something of a spiritual father, and Ambrose understood the genius of the man who had come to Milan to teach rhetoric. And so they began having conversations, and Augustine talks about um, Ambrose as that man of God received me as a father would, but then welcomed my coming as a good bishop should. So he connected the two of the spiritual fatherhood, which Ambrose was to everyone, but also that he was a good bishop. And he guided his conversations with Augustine and answered one of the key questions that Augustine had always asked, why is the Old Testament so dark? What does it tell us about fallen humanity, and, and where does it lead us? And Ambrose helped Augustine to understand it leads us to Christ, mm-hmm. that the, the proper understanding of the Old Testament is Christ. And it was those set of encounters that ultimately led Augustine to realize that he was actually dealing not with a Faustus, but with a saint. And ultimately then led to his baptism and history itself was changed. History itself was changed, absolutely. And all of this recounted in Augustine's Confessions. What lesson do we learn from these three relationships? (laughs) That love brings us all together. Christ keeps us together. Beautifully put. We've been talking to Dr. Matthew Bunsen. You can find his Doctors of the Church series linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, love talking to you. Thank you so much. Anytime. God bless. You bet. You too. Thank you. All right. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is Monday, the 28th of August, the Feast of St. Augustine. Let's pray St. Augustine's Prayer to the Holy Spirit together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Augustine, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Teresa Tamio joins us from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. We'll check in with Brendan Hodge from The Pillar, who's been doing some stuff with us on Dorothy L. Sayers and classical education. Mike Aquilina will have more to say about St. Augustine on this, his feast day. And then Stephanie Mann will... Uh, introduce us to another English martyr that we might not have heard of before. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. 
News of Service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for the U.S. Marines. There were two crashes in different parts of the world which left four people dead. During a training exercise in Australia yesterday, an Osprey aircraft with 23 on board crashed, killing three and injuring several others. And late last week, an F-18 Hornet pilot, Major Andrew Mettler, died in a crash, which happened in Southern California. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus's question in the gospel, who do you say that I am? From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni has more. The Pope noted that generally Jesus is seen as a great teacher, a special person, good, righteous, consistent, courageous. But he continued, this is not enough for Jesus, who is not just an agent of history, a distant prophet. He's here for us today. He is God who is close to us. Non è un personaggio del passato, ma è il Cristo, cioè il Messia. The Holy Father went on to explain that Christ is not a memory of the past, but the God of the present. Jesus, he added, is alive and accompanies us. He's at our side. He offers us his word and his grace, which enlighten and refresh us on the journey. Assuring believers that they are never alone on the path of life, he said Christ is with us and helps us on our way, as he did with Peter and the other disciples. It is Peter in today's gospel, he added, who understands this and by grace recognizes in Jesus, the Son of the living God made man. Pope Francis said that if sometimes the summit of Christian life seems too high and the path too steep, just look to Jesus who walks beside us, welcoming our frailties, sharing our efforts and resting his firm and gentle arm on our weak shoulders. With him close at hand, let us also reach out to one another and renew our trust. With Jesus, what seems impossible on our own is no longer so, the Pope concluded. I'm Linda Bordoni. Also, during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father asked for prayers again for Ukraine and for the people of Greece who have suffered a summer of intense wildfires. He also remembered mothers on the feast of St. Monica yesterday. He said, with her prayers and her tears, she asked the Lord for the conversion of her son. And he asked everyone to pray for so many mothers who suffer when their children are a bit lost or are on the difficult roads of life. Governor Ron DeSantis is urging Florida West Coast residents to get ready for Tropical Storm Idalia. DeSantis has placed 33 counties under a state of emergency and said he's mobilized 1,100 Florida National Guard members. He's telling Floridians to listen to local authorities, heed warnings, and expect power outages. The storm is expected to bring several inches of rain along Florida's west coast, coming as a Category 1 or 2 hurricane before becoming a Category 1 or 2 hurricane before making landfall north of Tampa on Tuesday. President Biden is condemning the Jacksonville shooting, which left three black people dead as a potential hate crime. 
Trey Thomas has more. In a White House statement, Biden said as the nation searches for answers, we must say clearly and forcefully that white supremacy has no place in America. Biden noted the act of gun violence happened Saturday as the country marked the 60th anniversary of the Civil Rights March on Washington. I'm Trey Thomas. A Democratic congressman and a Republican congresswoman are working together on a solution with $40 billion of pandemic-era funding set to expire in just over a month. California Congressman Ro Khanna and South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who spoke on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday, have created the Congressional Bipartisan Affordable Child Care Caucus. Their fears that more than 3 million children could lose access to child care when that funding expires on September 30th. Mace said rolling back, Some really crazy government regulations would be a good start to propose a bill that the House, Senate, and President would agree on. Kana said affordable child care contributes to economic growth. And a team from suburban Los Angeles has won the Little League Baseball World Series. El Segundo took down the Caribbean island of Curacao 6-5 on a walk-off home run yesterday in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The team had to win five straight elimination games to capture the title. El Segundo also becomes the first team from California to win since 2011. The victory marks the state's eighth Little League World Series title. Well, congratulations. Congratulations to them. Absolutely. Pretty cool. So I guess uh, they can start watching football. They can start watching football. It's true. But uh, everybody else got to wait. Still, yeah. still a lot of baseball to be played. Congratulations to the Domers upon winning in Dublin. Okay, that's dominating, true. I forgot about that. Dominating in Dublin. The Domers dominate in dominating Dublin. Dominating in Dublin. Mm-hmm. You, should be a, you shouldn't be a news reporter. You should just be a headline writer. Thank you. I wouldn't mind doing that. I'd I would, probably, I would, I would write less misleading or fewer, mis, no, less misleading. I wouldn't write headlining, headlines I would that not are less write, misleading. I would not write misleading headlines. That's what I'm trying to say. I was trying to be cute. As many of them. I was trying to be cute with my language. And as therefore... your headline editor, I want to make sure we get this right. <laughs> Indeed. Sure. Indeed. I would think a lot more about how to write cute headlines than some of the current See, headline, headline writing would be fun for me because it's all about you know puns. the punsters. Yeah. Stuff. I just don't want to write anything about anything serious uh, because I find that yeah, uh, much of the you headlines, can't do puns. you know, as bad as headlines are in not telling you what the story is actually about or in distorting the work of the actual reporter in the story, mm-hmm. I find that YouTube thumbnails and posters are like a million times worse. Oh, yeah. They tell you basically the opposite of what's going to be in that video just to mm-hmm. shock you and make you click. Yep. Maybe I don't want to be a headline writer. Yeah. Well, you'd be part of the problem then. Yeah, I guess so. I think I'm going to stick with radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. We're joined now by Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Teresa, good morning. Hey, good morning. Happy Feast of St. Augustine. He's a favorite. and Me too. Uh, I didn't know this until last week when I was trying to line up some dates and figure out some stuff. Today is actually the birthday of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, one of the oh, wow. most famous Another converts great in the history of the American church. So we get to talk about, all about conversion today. 
uh, yeah. on all the on all the platforms. Augustine, though, I mean, I feel like you can probably relate to him uniquely because anybody who knows anything about your story knows that. Uh, well, I mean, her name was Rosie, but she had some Monica vibes going. <laughs> yeah, she had to to raise me, right? I mean, but that's very true, and I, and I love him because. As, as you know, I, I fell away from the church for many years, and I always, Dominic and I always, we just gave a, another testimony on a date night in our parish, by the way, and revisited our whole journey back into the church and the healing of our marriage. And we said, if God can, you know, save our marriage and save us, he can save any marriage and, and save anybody. So we take a lot of strength from the story of St. Augustine and praying moms, and, of course, St. Monica's feast day, as uh, Annie said, was yesterday. But I just love him because he was just, I think, even though he was brilliant, right, and wrote so many different, uh, not only documents and papers and books, but I think it was very practical in terms of what we need to do as people of faith. And I just went ahead and, and searched for some quotes from him, and there's so many great ones. I mean, of course, we know that our heart is restless until he rests in thee, but he talks about uh, the world being a book and those who don't travel. Uh, those you who do not would travel, like only that one, page. wouldn't you? I love that. I, I knew I, that's, that's got you written all over it. Yeah. But then this other one to travel, this is really, I think, very important. This is kind of what we talked about when we gave our, our testimony on Saturday. We talk, we talk about the importance of reflection and remembering your, your journey, not only reflecting on where the Lord has been in your life, uh, the good and the bad in terms of even times when you felt alone, you realized he was there, but the hope he gives us to the future and, and remembering what he talked about, hope, right, and, and giving us life. But listen to this quote, and this is very true. Men go abroad to wonder at the heights of the mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, and the long courses of the rivers and the vast compass of the ocean, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. So he's got both covered here in terms of if you don't travel, you know, the world is a book and you're only reading a page. But if you are going around the world and you're not taking time to reflect, then that's not good either. So I love the practicality and the balance in his wisdom. Yeah. So what he's saying is, I've been to paradise, but I've never been to me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like a hit song somewhere, right? Could be. Could be. You know, a favorite one of mine, uh, which I find very convicting, and, you know, I apply it uh, differently based on what kind of mood I'm in and what what I do and don't want to hear from the scriptures. Uh, He says, uh, St. Augustine does, if you believe what you like in the Gospels and reject what you don't like, it is not the Gospels you believe, but yourself. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how easy is it for us to be, uh, you know, the the kind of people who read the scriptures and are like, you know, who needs to hear this, right? Right, and not 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 pay attention to the things that we ourselves need to be hearing because you know you uh-huh. can you can be a very selective reader. Yep. How about this one? Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. Yeah, that's a stinger. That's a stinger right there. Yep. Well, we we uh, opened with his uh, prayer to the Holy Spirit at the beginning of this hour. He's got a lot of great prayers. Of course, the the one that's most famous is the uh, you know if you have made ourselves for you and we are our hearts are restless, restless until, we rest until they in rest you. in the yeah. Uh, but then there's also the the one late have I loved you, O beauty I ever love ancient and ever new. You know, kind of lamenting mm-hmm. the I mean, grateful that you know he has found the beauty, but wishing he had found it sooner, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, that kind of dovetails in with the famous prayer, you know, Lord, make me chaste and continent, but not but yet. But not yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. But the, you know, I, I love, I just love the saints. And if anybody ever has a chance, I really hope that if they're traveling 
to northern Italy in the Lombardy region, the beautiful Lombardy region, that they'll visit Pavia, where he's buried. And there's a beautiful statue of him holding a heart. And it's just obviously representing the restless heart, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. But it's, it's, it's interesting. Many of the churches in Italy on the outside, they look so like, like no big deal. And this one in, in Pavia, where there's a big, or Pavia, where there's a big university, you would walk by it if you didn't know that, that he was there and not think much of it because it has a very, very simple outside. It doesn't have a huge, uh, incredible facade as the other basilicas, for example, such as St. Peter's or maybe uh, the church dedicated to the Blessed Mother in Ordovieto, which is breathtaking. But here you have this great doctor of the church buried uh, in this place that looks very, very, you know, nondescript on the outside but beautiful on the inside. So it's in Pavia. And that is in northern Italy in the Lombardy region, not far from Milano. So it's, it's a great place to visit if you ever uh, are on pilgrimage in Italy, maybe going to Milan to go to the Duomo, make a side trip to Pavia. It's worth it to pray at his tomb. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I got to get over there. Got to get to Ostia Antiqua, you know, where there's the powerful oh, scene that's of very him cool. and Monica. Yep. You know, and uh, I mean, there's just a lot of places I got to get over there. But I'll give you well, one to, to quit on, Teresa, okay. since we're short on time. You ready for this one? Sure. I come back to this one all the time. So St. Augustine says, he says, bad times, hard times. This is what people keep saying. But let us live well, and times shall be good. We are the times. Such as we are, so are the times. Amen. I love that. That is so true, especially now. So many people, I'm sure you hear from our listeners who have, you know, deep, deep hearts and love for the church, and they're very concerned about the world and all the division in the world and the church, and, and they tend to be focusing and, and emphasizing so much on the negative out of love. I mean, they love the church, and, and, and they want life to be better. But at the same time, if we just concentrate on the negative, that is going to affect us, and we're not going to be able to be effective in making these times good and building up our own domestic church and, and blessing the church overall. Yeah. Best way to fix bad times is be good people. Amen. <laughs> I mean, there you are. There you are. I can point at all kinds of people, but uh, there's only one person I can really control the decisions of today. Right. So I'm going to work on that, and I'll get back to you. Okay. Well, we'll talk you. after Labor Day, because next week from today is Labor Day. That's right. That's right. We well, you talk Monday to everybody and, and get them some good, more good Augustine stuff on Catholic Connection today. I will. We'll be talking about it today. Sounds great. Teresa Tomio joining us. And, of course, from Ave Maria Radio, good morning to all the Ave Maria Radio listeners this morning. 16 Past got headlines next. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for U.S. Marines, which left at least four people dead. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus's question in the gospel, who do you say that I am? And he also asked for prayers again for Ukraine, for the people of Greece, for suffering mothers, and for his upcoming trip to Mongolia. All right. Anna Mitchell, I got one more quote for you. Oh, from St. Augustine? From St. Augustine. Here's this one. He's so quotable. He is very quotable. He says, A thing is not necessarily true because badly uttered, nor false because spoken magnificently. Dude. For real. So so sometimes people say that uh, I don't trust people who are good with words. Well, it's not true just because somebody's... Well, it's, it's not true just because you're bad with words. Mm-hmm. It's not false just because somebody's good with words. Now, the, it's now sort he of happens to be both and right. good with you words know. and true. Yeah, some people say I don't trust people with book learning, right? And other people mm-hmm. would say, well, you can't spell, so whatever you're saying must be yeah. untrue. It's uh, so it, it is a it is a tricky thing in internet discourse. This is all over the place. Especially and there are some people who would say, discourse, yeah. well, it must be true because people are mad at this person. And if you're making people mad, what you're saying must be true. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't, that's not the criteria either. It's a good so, point. The truth is the truth, and different people react to it in different ways. The way that people react to it or how good they are at articulating it is not the measure of whether or not a thing is true. However... I think we all should strive to be more articulate and good. Well, this this will lead us seamlessly into the conversation with Brendan Hodge on the other side of the break that we should. I mean, yes, we are armed with the truth as Catholics, the fullness of the truth. um, But that doesn't mean that we can't be better at articulating that truth to others and we should constantly be striving to be better i mean we all have different baselines of course i'm no saint augustine but have to constantly be trying to work toward that because you never know who you're going to encounter and you know they're at where they're at and so if they need someone who's entirely articulate then be that ambrose for that augustine you know but if you can't explain it to a five-year-old you don't understand it yourself (laughs) and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A prayer for vocations by our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. Lord Jesus, as you once called the first disciples to make them fishers of men, let your sweet invitation continue to resound. Give young men and women the grace of responding quickly to your voice. Support our bishops, priests, and consecrated people in their apostolic labor. Grant perseverance to our seminarians and to all those who are carrying out the ideal of a life totally consecrated to your service. Lord, send workers to your harvest and do not allow humanity to be lost for the lack of pastors, missionaries, and people dedicated to the cause of the gospel. Mary, mother of the church, help us to say yes to the Lord who calls us to cooperate in the divine plan of salvation. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning, the Feast of St. Augustine. Brendan Hodge back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And last time we were talking about Dorothy L. Sayers, we've been uh, spending a few weeks unpacking her essay on classical education. And uh, last time we were together, we, we were going through her thoughts on the importance of teaching Latin to young children and, and pointing out aside from, I mean, she wasn't Catholic, but aside from our perspective as Catholics, the importance of understanding our native tongue, as it were, as, as Roman Catholics, this provides a, a foundation on which they can build in so many ways, um, most particularly when it comes to grammar. But this idea of like building, found, like having a foundation and then building on that foundation, how does she apply that principle to other subjects? Yeah, so Sayers considers the grammatical stage to be not just a period where you learn grammar, and that's what she sees as so important with Latin, is not just the cultural literacy and the ability to read great works, but the really understanding how grammar works. And she feels like Latin is a language that makes that more transparent to students because of the way that the words change to show what part they are in the sentence. But she feels that grammar is a, a whole stage of learning any set of subjects. 
And so when children are in the elementary grades and they're at this stage that she describes as the pull parent stage, when children are good at memorizing lots of facts and uh, names and dates and so on, that it's important to get the foundations of all of the different subjects that they'll go on to learn as students and as human beings. So in uh, English and literature, this means memorizing poems and reading kind of the foundational stories that will go on to become the cultural literacy that you'll use to refer to and reference in the rest of life. In history, it means learning names and dates and places, geography, placing things on the map, uh, your basic math facts, and in science, things like the eras of Earth's history, the solar system, the continents, the oceans, and so on. So it's a period for learning the basic building blocks of many different subjects. Okay, so let's talk specifically about literature. Um, she she talks about how um, children should be reading the great myths and and fairy tales and fables. And you know, there might be some Catholic parents like, okay, well, maybe the fables are okay, but myths and fairy tales often contain you know paganism and magic and stuff. So how do you think Sayers would, would answer that question? How would you answer that question, Brendan? Well, I think part of the answer here is that Sayers sees the importance of classical education as entering into what some classical education people call the great conversation. So kind of the interplay of ideas and stories that goes from our earliest origins in uh, the West and, and in Christianity to the present day. And a lot of these stories trace their way through references and the way that people talk about things from times before Christ through the present day. And, I mean, I suppose that we couldn't have a better day to talk about this than the Feast of St. Augustine, because, mm -hmm. after all, St. Augustine was not just a great Christian scholar and theologian, he was also a great classical scholar. And so when you read uh, Augustine's writing in the Confessions or the City of God, He's making reference not just to the Bible um, and the stories of the Judeo-Christian tradition, but he also makes reference to pagan mythology and pagan literature. So he's talking about the gods that the Greeks and Romans believed in. He's talking about the stories of the Iliad and the Odyssey and, and the stories that were kind of common currency there. And I think that as we move into sort of other elements that have folded into the Western tradition, uh, you move into things like fairy tales and so on. And so uh, these become common references, not just for general ideas, but also the way that people talk about things. So often someone will be talking about uh, achieving a certain balance on a topic, and so they'll talk about Goldilocks and the three bowls of porridge. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't know the story of Goldilocks, where she sneaks into the bear's house and she tries the one bowl of porridge is too hot, the other is too cold, the third is just right, you wouldn't know what that reference is about. And so it becomes less possible for us to communicate with people and also to understand the literature we read if we don't understand these references. So even if there are elements of magic or paganism in some of these stories, I think there's a lot of common cultural currency, and there's a lot of truth that's kind of there under the surface. Even if the ancients didn't understand the one true God, they did understand a lot about humanity and the human condition. Mm -hmm. And so those are things we can draw from them and maybe get sort of a little inoculated by getting, if you will, kind of the dead virus of uh, ancient paganism before we encounter modern paganism, which surrounds us so much today. Oh, my gosh. What a great, I'm going to have to write that down and quote you on. I love that, the dead virus of ancient paganism so that we can address the modern 
That's good. Um, But just finally, Brendan, before we let you go, I mean, going back to like a practical standpoint, how does reading classic literature help us with vocabulary? Well, there's I think there are two things here. One is just um, we have we're at the end of a long linguistic tradition in uh, in, in our English language, as well as in as in Latin, Greek, and the other languages that have been current in our culture, and uh, a lot of that territory is used much more richly by uh, the older writers. So, I mean, I, I have children in uh, grade school, and middle school, and uh, one of the things that we have tried to do is expose them to things like Shakespeare plays and so on. And that's the sort of thing where you'll pick up vocabulary and phrases that you'll hear all the time. I mean, whether it's to be or not to be, or the best of times, it was the worst of times. Um, They're common phrases, and it's also just levels of vocabulary that you're not going to encounter what you read in school as the Hunger Games. Yeah, I was going to say, Diary of a Wimpy Kid does not have the same kind of vocabulary that something like Shakespeare has. So... All kinds of good stuff here. And uh, again, we've been talking to Brendan Hodge from the Darwin Catholic blog about Dorothy L. Sayers' thoughts on classical education. And you can go read Brendan's thoughts about it over at darwincatholic.blogspot.com. Brendan, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. It is half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Pentagon is investigating after a deadly weekend for the U.S. Marines. Two crashes in different parts of the world have left at least four people dead. During a training exercise in Australia yesterday, an Osprey aircraft crashed. It had 23 people on board. Three people were killed and several others injured. And late last week, an F-18 Hornet pilot, Major Andrew Mettler, died in a crash in Southern California. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis had several prayer requests for the faithful. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. Pope Francis assured the remembrance in his prayers for the people who lost their lives in the major wildfire burning in these days in northeastern Greece. The Pope also asked the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square to remain close to the Ukrainian people. Pope Francis then remembered St. Monica, St. Augustine's mother, on the day the church celebrates her, recalling her as a strong woman and a good woman. With her prayers, her tears, the Holy Father remembered, she asked the Lord for the conversion of her son. The Pope asked everyone to pray for so many mothers who suffer when their children are a bit lost or are on the difficult roads of life. Before Pope Francis spoke about his upcoming apostolic journey to Mongolia, the Pope described it as a much-desired visit and an opportunity to embrace a church small in numbers but vibrant in faith and great in charity. The Holy Father remembered the country's rich religious tradition, which he will have the honor of getting to know especially in the context of an interreligious event. Pope Francis expressed his happiness to travel and be among the Mongolian population as a brother for all. The Pope concluded by asking the faithful present to accompany this visit with prayer. According to the schedule released by the Holy See's press office, Pope Francis will depart from Rome's Fiumicino airport on the evening of Thursday, August 31st, to arrive at Ulaanbaatar's Chinggis Khan International Airport on Friday, September 1st. On Saturday, the Holy Father will be greeted at a welcome ceremony in Ulaanbaatar's Sukkabatar Square before paying a courtesy visit to the President of Mongolia at the State Palace. On Monday, the last day of the Pope's visit, he will inaugurate a charity center and meet with staff and volunteers of the organization.
I am Edoardo Giribaldi. During his Angelus address catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on Jesus' question in the Gospel, Who do you say that I am? He said that Jesus is generally regarded as a great teacher, but that's not enough for Jesus. He said, He is the Son of the living God, made man and come to share the joys and the labors of our journey. He said, quote, With him close at hand, let us also reach out to one another and renew our trust. With Jesus, what seems impossible on our own is no longer so, end quote. A new Reuters-Ipsos poll suggests GOP voters may be more open to Ron DeSantis following the first Republican debate. Ryan Shook has more. The poll, taken two days after the primetime debate in Milwaukee, found that around half of the Republicans who followed the event were more inclined to a bid from the Florida governor. DeSantis has been running a distant second to former President Trump in current polls for months. I'm Brian Shook. Governor DeSantis is urging Florida West Coast residents to get ready for Tropical Storm Idalia. DeSantis has placed 33 counties under a state of emergency and said he's mobilized 1,100 Florida National Guard members. He's telling Floridians to listen to local authorities, heed warnings, and expect power outages. The storm is expected to bring several inches of rain along Florida's west coast, becoming a Category 1 or Category 2 hurricane before making landfall north of Tampa tomorrow or Wednesday. A Democratic congressman and a Republican congresswoman are working together on a solution with $40 billion of pandemic-era funding set to expire in just over a month. The two have formed the Congressional Bipartisan Affordable Child Care Caucus. That's the news. You're listening to The Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is purgatory? Purgatory is the state for those who died guilty of venial sins. They suffer for a time, and they need to satisfy for the punishment due to their sins. Imagine that you're going to visit someone who had only white carpet, but you had just been outside tromping in the mud, and so in order to go ahead and walk into their house, you'd have to take your shoes off. This is an image of what it's like to go into heaven. Sometimes people have been walking around in the muddy sins of life, they haven't fallen into the mud and committed mortal sin, but they still have some specks on them. Purgatory is what helps to purify us so that we might see God who is all pure. Purgatory then should not be something that we fear, but it should be something that we are grateful for as a gift of God's mercy. 
And so let us on earth then prepare for heaven, not purgatory, by keeping the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Mike Aquilina from FathersOfTheChurch.com. He's written quite a bit on St. Augustine over the years. Of course, St. Augustine's feast day is celebrated at the end of August. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. I mean, if you're going to make a list of the most famous converts in the history of the church, or the most famous conversion stories, I guess you could say, in the history of the church, I feel like it'd be hard to not include St. Augustine's confessions pretty close to the top of that list. Well, I'd say it would be impossible. You know, some people say that he invented the genre of the memoir, the first person life story. Uh, that that may or may not be true, but he certainly created uh, a demand for such books, an interest in such books, and he showed how excellent they could be because his book is one of the great works from antiquity that have survived. Uh, it's 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 um, it's. It's assigned in so many undergraduate courses and graduate courses. It's one of the things that you need to have read if you want to consider yourself a literate person. And I cannot tell you how many young people I've met down these decades of of speaking in public who tell me that their conversion story began when they were assigned that book as an undergraduate in a literature course or in a humanities course or in a classics course because it's just such a beautiful example of literature um so it gets out there that way and uh and it fulfills something that's deeply human i think you know the delphic oracle had the inscription of thousands of years, or hundreds of years anyway, before Christ, uh, that said that the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. And and Socrates quotes that. A lot of people quote that in pagan antiquity. Well, St. Augustine shows how you can examine your life in the presence of God and know its truth in the most profound way. You could do it in dialogue with God, in light of God, and God will show you the truth about your life. Uh, Augustine's memoir is, is, uh, is addressed to God, and it's a very beautiful thing. It teaches us not only how to look at our lives, but also how to pray. Well, you know, I'll one-up you on that because I uh, talked to a guy once who was handed a copy of St. Augustine's Confessions by uh, a person who wasn't even a believer, <laughs> right? And uh, mm-hmm. they had conversion. They were evangelized by a non-believer when they were handed a copy of St. Augustine's Confessions. What is it about the way that Augustine tells his story that was so groundbreaking? Oh, well, I mean, as I said before, he's he's being brutally honest. He's, he's not doing what uh, an emperor might do in telling about you know, the glories that he accomplished in a certain battle. Augustine is brutally honest. He's not beating himself up. He's not doing that. That's not what the confessions are. He's looking back on his life, and he's showing what God has done in his life. God is the primary protagonist in Augustine's life, and he sees how God even worked, even accomplished his will when Augustine was living he thought far from God and uh, and and the life of a sinner. Augustine was away from the faith for what seventeen years, and uh, and he was uh, 
he was sinning against God. He was breaking the commandments. He was willful. He was even somewhat contemptuous of the, the Old Testament, its commandments, and its stories. Uh, you know, he, uh, he put his mother through the ringer there. Uh, but he, um, he, he, uh, he, he's that, he, it has that kind of honesty. So we can, we can look to him as a friend. The other thing is that Augustine was a prodigy of friendship. Uh, it's it's amazing when you look at his life. He had so many friends, and he stayed in touch with them, and he stayed close to them. He was such a good friend that his friends followed him when he moved from their little town to the big city of Carthage to go to college. His friends followed him because they wanted to be near him. And then when he moved to Italy, to Rome, his friends followed him there. And finally, when he moved to Milan, his friends followed him there. Now, they had, you know just gone along with him in his wanderings from North Africa to Milan in Italy and then back to Africa. And many of them stayed with him for the rest of their lives, living in monastic community. Uh, and, and they had known him since childhood. He has this warmth of personality that's magnetic and it still works. After 1500 years, that magnetism is still so strong. Well, you and I are never going to have you know, the kind of global impact, or maybe, I mean, maybe I'm underselling you and I, I don't know, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard. He, of course, he's got a, you know, 1600 year head start on us, but we do have stories to tell. I mean, you've got a yes. story. I've got a yes. story. Everyone yes. listening, if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, even if they were baptized as a baby and never have stopped going to mass has some kind of story about yeah. how their relationship to God makes them live differently than they would otherwise. So how can yeah. we look to St. Augustine as a way to help us understand how we should be telling that? Tell your story. Talk about what God has done through your life. I mean, that's that's how to do it. I'm, I marvel at the, the effect of conversion stories on people. Uh, cradle Catholics love conversion stories, but con converts love to read conversion stories, too. I'm a cradle Catholic. My wife is a convert. We both love to read these things. I love that the Coming Home Network puts these things out in print form, video form, any way they can get them out there because people have, it seems, uh, uh, an unlimited appetite for this kind of thing. You know, you, you, you see that the effect of a conversion story in, um, in Thomas Merton's Seven Story Mountain, how that book got out there, became a New York Times bestseller and inspired so many conversions in turn because people say, oh, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I can follow this model. I, I'm like him in so many ways. I can be like him in this last way and cross that threshold. Pat, uh, Pat Madrid uh, brought out a series of books called Surprised by Truth chock full of conversion stories all of these people coming from different angles but coming into the catholic church telling their own stories again i think that people want to hear these things people want transformation and conversion stories show one way to have a transformation well what's interesting is that you know we can tend to focus a lot on apologetics and making the arguments and forget that the best argument uh you can give is an answer to the question well how did it change you? <laughs> like, how does this, how yes. does this stuff that you're telling me affect the way that you actually live? And your story is basically the answer to that question. Yes, and Augustine did both. Augustine, as I said before, was a prodigy of friendship. He had this warmth. He had this genuine interest in other people. 
And, and people knew that. They knew he wasn't a phony. They knew he wasn't faking it. And they wanted to be with him. When they were with him, they got to know his story. And that drew them closer to Christ once he made that step toward Christ. And he lived a long time after that, too. So he got to tell his story many times to many people and make many friends for Jesus Christ. But you're right. It often begins with friendship. Well, Mike, we've got fathersofthechurch.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I encourage people to head on over there and find some of the things that you've written about uh, in regard to Augustine and many other great thinkers and writers and saints in the church. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for having me on, Matt. It's a great thing to ponder. What are you doing in the relationships that you have to make people think, I'd love to know more about what makes this person the kind of person they are? Like, what are you doing? to make somebody want to know how to tap into what you've got. We're back right after this. It's a quarter till. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. What's your favorite day of the week and why? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 till, here's Anna with headlines. The U.S. Marines are investigating after two deadly weekend crashes leaving at least four dead. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus's question in the gospel, who do you say that I am, and also had several prayer requests for the faithful, including for his upcoming trip to Mongolia. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She is the author of Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. She's got a blog by the same name that digs into all kinds of great stuff regarding 
English Catholic histories, heroes of the faith, really, many of them either blesseds or uh, saints with actual feast days, uh, some of them martyrs uh, along the way as well. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about Blessed Thomas Holford. Uh, if you could give us a little bit yes. of a context for uh, for him and and what we ought to know about his backstory. Right. Well, he was a convert to Catholicism. Uh, since we have Saint Augustine's feast this week and talking about him so much, he was a convert to Catholicism. Led to uh, the church th- through a priest who also tells his story and and gives the highlights that that father bowden has put in his book the, on the mementos of of these catholic martyrs and confessors and this father davis brought uh blessed thomas to the catholic church and then he went to to the continent and studied for the priesthood was ordained and sent back to be a missionary to the Catholic people. And he served in uh, around London and in different areas. And, and the, the thing that, that father Bowden focuses on today is August 28th is the date of his martyrdom in 1588, along with eight others who were executed in the wake of the Spanish Armada's failure and national rejoicing in England. How to celebrate yeah, uh, what a wild, uh, yeah, what a wild, yeah, what a wild English way. Yeah, but you know, it is, yeah. uh, it does draw kind of into sharp relief something that when I was learning history in the public schools, I don't think I picked up on, which is that uh, the Spanish Armada event in English history was kind of used as sort of like a way to say, "We told you Catholics are bad." <laughs> Right. I mean, it's kind of used used that way throughout the course of history, even through like the American public school system and kind of like the black legend of uh, of how how the Spanish are thought of even in our country. That's true. That that and the gunpowder plot of 1605 are kind of the two big, you know, you could say ways to continue to cudgel Catholics in England that they weren't, couldn't be faithful. I mean, this, this lasted into the 19th century, even with uh, St. John Henry Newman having to defend Catholicism in, uh, against this kind of general uh, bigotry. And so what Father Bowden tells us about in, in his entry for, uh, for this blessed saint is how he had to just wander around and tr- try to escape it, from the, the the brief paragraph he has about Father uh, Blessed Thomas Holford, he's pursued by pr- pursuivants. He escapes. He is nearly taken. He escapes. He's apprehended. He escapes, and finally, he's apprehended and executed. So he's he's tr- trying to serve the Catholic people, trying to offer the Mass, trying to give them, give them the sacraments, and at the same time, he's having to. Uh, well, he, 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 there's even the detail in the in this text for for the uh, for his uh, story about how he's wandering around. Is he has to take off his <laughs> socks and he's walking barefoot. <clears throat> People think he's crazy. He looks so strange, and he is, is suffering on the way. He, he's uh, by the time he reaches a safe house, his legs are all cut up and and his feet are sore, and he hasn't eaten anything. So he is really in dire straits in in this uh at that time but he escapes again then he goes back to london and he says mass at at a famous mass house the house of saint swithin wells who's one of the 40 martyrs of england and wales and he's captured after that and 
so this pattern of of uh, being hunted, escaping, hunted, escaping, apprehended, escaping, it just shows also his desire to serve. That he didn't give up. He didn't stop. He said, "Oh well, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this anymore. It's it's too much uh, danger to me." But he continued to serve the Catholic people any way he could, and uh, trying to uh, get back to them. And finally, he's executed on August 28th. 1588 uh, in Clerkenwell. He was not hanged, drawn, and quartered because they had so many places to kill these Catholic priests and laity that they were probably running out of executioners. They couldn't get anyone who knew how to hang, draw, and quarter someone. It takes a lot of work to do that. Yeah, I uh, so can imagine that people in are that putting in that many too. applications. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, the, the whole thing is is just wild. But the... Uh, the, there's a passage from the Hall of Faith book, as it were, in uh, in the book, the the letter to the Hebrews, and of course, a lot of people are familiar with how yes. that that chapter starts. You know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and knowing what we do not see, and it goes on to list all the names of these powerful witnesses in the Old Testament who uh, followed right. Christ or followed God in faith, right, leading up to Christ, and yes. uh, a lot of people kind of stop before they get to the last part where it talks about the anonymous people who have suffered for their faith. And uh, that's in verses 37 and 38, Mm -hmm. which uh, seem to apply just so well to Thomas Holford, who wandered about, as it were. I wonder if you could share that passage with us. The, The full passages, they were stoned, they were cut asunder, they were tempted, they were put to death by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being in want, distressed, afflicted, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth. And and that certainly applies to, to Blessed Thomas Holford. He was in great physical and I would, you would have to say even mental distress, trying to escape from, the only reason he escaped from captors one time was that they got drunk so he could get by them, but then trying to find help and trying to find someone to lead him to another safe house. Uh, it was very difficult because of his appearance and his fact that he was wandering. He looked, he looked lost. He was lost trying to find his way to safety again. So he could continue to serve the Catholic people who were so desiring of the sacraments and so in need of his consolations and help. Yeah. And uh, so willing to go the extra mile, even taking off his shoes and socks and going barefoot through the untraveled parts of the woods to go track down people to minister to them. Uh, So there's a full list that you published on your blog post of all those executed on August 28th, 1588. Yes. Uh, This is the anniversary of that, including... Uh, by the way, Blessed Thomas Felton, whose father, John Felton, had been executed yes. for posting the papal bull excommunicating Elizabeth I after, Nor- after the Northern Rebellion. That's a story we're going to have to get into at some point, Stephanie. Because sure. Oh, yeah. That sounds fascinating. Uh, right. But in the meantime, yes, if our is. listeners want to connect and get either a copy of your book or perhaps uh, read through your blog post and get to know some of these English martyrs they may have never heard of before, how do they do so? Uh, look for www.supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com or even just Google Supremacy and Survival. And also, I, I hope people are buying Father uh, Bowden's book on the mementos of the English martyrs and confessors because it's just filled with so many riches and we'll, we'll continue to explore them through the next few months and years, hopefully. Yeah, if you go to Stephanie's blog, you can see what the book cover looks like so you know how to spot it at your local Catholic bookstore. 
So there you go. Yes. Stephanie, have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That wraps it up here on the uh, Sunrise Morning Show for our EWTN listening family on a Monday, August the 28th, the Feast of St. Augustine of Hippo. Pray for us. I'm Matt Swain for Anna Mitchell, Paul Lockman, and all of our guests. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.